And welcome to another episode of the Barbershop Window Podcast. This is your host, Shane Winter, the infamous, famous, uh, notorious, uh, the best, Shane Winter. And uh, sorry about the probably poor, kind of awful uh, quality of this broadcast. But we're actually, I'm on the road right now. I'm traveling. I'm actually in one of my favorite cities uh, called New Orleans. But I got stuck in a, apparently a very awful hotel that doesn't put a premium on internet connection for the business traveler. Uh, So I'm working on a really bad connection. um, But I'm going to try to be vigilant, um, as they say as uh, Africans like to talk about vigilance and being vigilant. I just noticed that. I've been following uh, uh, current events as I like to, and it seems like a lot of um, in the Nigerian elections and a lot of the African uh, commentators always use the word uh, vigilance. I don't know why. No clue. Just uh, And you'll hear all these musings and other very... Um, uh, you know, just very interesting things to say uh, on the Barbershop Window podcast. But boy, do we have a show for you today. Um, I'm working on getting some guests in right now. Um, one of the things that, uh, uh, but uh, we're going to do a little WrestleMania review. Um, we're going to do a little Raw after WrestleMania review. We're going to hit upon some of the great topics that are going on in the the wrestling universe right now. Um, Is Ronda Rousey going to actually have that match at Extreme Rules? Who cares? I don't. I think it's an odd gimmick. Ronda Rousey does not make me want to turn into a wrestling match. Not at all. Um, What are some of the other uh, interesting topics we shall discuss? Uh, I'm not sure, but hopefully my co-host, Jim the Anvil Knight Carr, will have some interesting things to say. And let me see if I can connect with him right now. And we're going. And we're almost connecting. Who knows what this show will have in store for us. As we're bringing Jim onto the broadcast right now, I'd just like to bring up some other topics. Um, and one is uh, topics I like to, to bring up here is the showcase of the main event in WrestleMania. Um, and that was between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I think one of the things that should be noted here is that uh, just in my own perspective, as I was watching uh, this match, uh, crying myself in and out of fits of loneliness, I was noticing that Roman Reigns really did his part. I thought that he... I think one of the challenges with Brock Lesnar in the upcoming three years of his contract at the WWE is going to be finding opponents for him. It's an odd thing to say, but Brock likes to work very stiff. Um, and he's a, and I mean, I think that brings us more to the point of that he's a true professional. He, he, 
he goes in there and does his job the way it's supposed to be done. And I think that's one of the weird liabilities that the WWE kind of had by putting the Undertaker in the ring with Brock Lesnar. That the, I mean, I, I'm not saying that, and I'm not even saying that Brock Lesnar's purposely canning people and potatoing them. He's not. But he definitely likes to put on a certain style of match, a stiff match. Um, and Roman Reigns can do it. I think he's definitely one of those people. I, I wouldn't mind seeing kind of a series of them, maybe a Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns type uh, feud, if you say. I know everybody listening to that is probably cringing. But Reigns did a very good job of uh, selling and taking the best that Brock had to offer. I'd love to... There, there's a bunch of controversy about that match. I'd love to hear somebody bring up... These guys must have had some agreement in the beginning before the match about how stiff they were going to work. They must have had some conversation. Because in the first 30 seconds, that punch that Roman Reigns threw to Brock Lesnar, that Superman punch, that was real. That was just simply a real punch. It wasn't a fake punch. He, he threw it with all his might. He connected, and Brock showed signs of it. You know, he, he, his, his eyes split open a little, just a teeny bit, but that, that was a real punch. And then those suplexes, it, it, there's no faking them. They were going hard. I mean, extremely hard. Um, I think Jim might be on the line now. Jim, are you there? Shane, I am here. Oh, wonderful, oh. wonderful. We, uh, I'm having horrible internet problems in a what would I describe as the worst Hyatt hotel ever here in fabulous <laughs> New Orleans that obviously has puts no emphasis on having a good quality internet connection, which is a travesty in this day and age. I I can go longer without water than I can with an internet. I, I, if I don't have internet for five seconds, I, I freak out. So you can imagine the the stressful scene, me me throwing dirty clothes and kicking over chairs in, in, in my shitty hotel room here in uh, downtown New Orleans, Jim. I can only imagine the Yelp reviews uh, that have already happened in a hotel <laughs> like this where a gentleman like yourself is in town on business. He's got to do a wrestling podcast. I mean, they be a classy really... gentleman. Yeah, yeah, classy guy. He's in town on business. He's trying to do a wrestling podcast. I mean, it's a story we've heard a thousand times, I'm sure. <laughs> Jimmy, I'm at the Yelp page right now, and I see, and I see fellow reviewers saying that they had to do their own wrestling podcast. And they were thwarted by this terrible internet. So I'll, I'll uh, like those reviews and leave one of my own. But uh, I'm smiling and trying to make a comedy of this situation. But but it's just terrible. Um, well, I, comedy out of tragedy. Right. Right. Jamie, I was just, uh, uh, you might have missed uh, the intro I gave uh, without any music or anything because of the connection. But once I was, I got straight in. Because you know, at the barbershop window podcast, we don't uh, pull any punches. We, you know, we don't go soft on the, anything. Sure. You know, we we tell it like it is. And I went straight to the main event of WrestleMania, simply. And I was just yeah. discussing how 
uh, one of the things that I like seeing was Roman Reigns really took what Brock had to offer, which is an easier thing said than done. Um, uh, what, what do you what do you think, JB? Well, uh, actually, uh, when I first caught, when I first uh, got connected. Uh, you said something about Ronda Rousey at Extreme Rules. Can I get into that a little bit? Or... Oh, <laughs> sure. Well, one of the... Uh... No, no, that's an actual rumor. Um, there was a back... There was a, a a time... It feels like so long ago now when I had a stable internet connection. Um, oh. You know, maybe like... A, a, yeah, like an hour ago. And uh, no, one of the things that they're... Uh, 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 teasing that's on all the, the you know the IWC on all the blogs right now is a, a Ronda Rousey match at Extreme Rules. I've even heard things that Punk is <laughs> is going to be in her corner. You know maybe that's where the lo- rumors lose a lot of credibility. But I I mean that's the uh, they don't that, sound that, like Dave Meltzer type rumors. <laughs> no no Dave Meltzer would not approve of these rumors. But, I mean, that's what I'm hearing. And I kind of think, like, um, I mean, from the timeline perspective, I mean, they should do it. If they're going to do this thing with Ronda Rousey, they're actually going to do a a program with her. Might as well do it now. She just had that t- title fight, you know? Um, they already well, I showed think, that. I, I, I mean, I kind of yeah. doubt there's going to be anything. From everything you, I've heard from any reputable sources, it seems like there. It, it kind of seems like there's not going to be anything with her, right. uh, at, at least in the immediate future. Um, she seems to have an interest in wrestling, though. So I think you know there might be something down the road at, at WrestleMania next year or even SummerSlam this year. But um, I don't know. I, I just I, I heard like the back end of you saying something about extreme. <laughs> I assumed you were kind yeah, of kidding. Yeah, no, I've heard that, I swear. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't heard any of that, JV. No, I have the, the big chatter today. Okay. And the, the other rumor to, to, to sort of piggyback off that was that, of course, Extreme Rules in Chicago is that CM Punk would be in her corner. <laughs> I mean, CM Punk was going to return. Wow, that's that that's some rumor. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. But yeah, you know, just riffing in the beginning. I figured I'd bring. I think Ronda Rousey would do anything for attention. <laughs> quite frankly, I like a lot of a lot of people don't see her as that. But like it, wherever there's a camera or a magazine that doesn't have a half naked girl on the cover, like she'll be there to to fill that spot and to get in front of it. Um, I don't, I don't That's interesting. I don't, I don't really look at her that way at all. I mean, I, I I've never thought of her as kind of like an attention seeker in that way. But um, I thought it was kind of the aftermath of WrestleMania with her, where there was a lot more commentary. It, like commentary on her is like it was the most awesome thing ever you've ever seen in your life, or <laughs> like I don't know who Ronda Rousey is, which right, right. I thought was yeah. an interesting kind of, yeah, the yeah. differences of opinion of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I was actually talking to a, a pro wrestling. Believe it or not, I have another friend, another loser, forty-year-old friend that's not married, that's into pro wrestling, 
and he's from mm-hmm. Chicago, and he, he kept calling her Rhonda Rosie. I mean, just, just like no clue who she is or what her relevance <laughs> is any athletics. Like, it, so, I mean, I guess it's still sort of a niche thing, you know, MMA and the UFC in general. Um, but yeah, it's funny because I'm, I'm not as much of a UFC yeah. fan as I, as I was at one time. But I mean, I agree with you a hundred percent. I am totally I know you. who she is, and I mean, she's yeah. the biggest star in the UFC. I, I, I would, I would say at this time. I maybe you could say Anderson Silva. I don't know, but she's up. She's right up there, and um, I thought that was a huge coup for the WWE to get her on that show and, and such a prominent role. But I think I cannot believe that Jim I'd like to ask your opinion Um, believe it or not since we're co-hosting the show and uh, (laughs) but I respect your opinion I would I cannot believe Dana White was okay with this in the past I was was very surprised Dana White was okay with this yes I agree I don't I don't think he is I, I I mean I don't know what to think like like you just said it like she's probably the most famous star in the UFC right now I I kind of think she maybe you know she maybe said oh I'm gonna and she's also like her personality from these press conferences everything and just her general demeanor she's not like doesn't seem like a very nice person or like cooperative like I just think she said yeah it's it's her attention I think she said yeah I want to do this and I'm gonna do this. And sort of strong on Dana White to go into it because what's Dana White going to say? He's running that company into the ground, in my opinion. He was the perfect type of personality, perfect types of person to bring it up. But you know, it's different skills to manage like an existing company. I, I don't know what they're doing now. Not to go off on a chan- tangent, like having essentially a pay per view like every week. Like I don't, I don't know what the like. And exactly, there's two people here. JB, you actually got me into the UFC and MMA. I remember I went to um, your place in Albany, <laughs> New York. Your, but sure. God, that was so long ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, uh, uh, and we were watching, uh, I think, Keith Jardine and Houston Alexander. Oh, and it was Chuck Liddell and Rampage Jackson. And that was my first exposure to UFC. And you... And your friends there were already really into it, like. But I don't think there. I don't think there could have been a bigger fan than JB. That's my point. And you and your, and there was a time when I was extremely into it as well. Maybe not as big as you, but that's my point. And now we're both saying the same thing that we're not really into the UFC anymore. There was definitely a time where you passed me as a UFC fan, but there was. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, nonetheless, I was very, you know, whatever it may be with that, uh, I was very into UFC at a, at a certain time. And then, yeah, it just became a oversaturated market with too many pay-per-views, too many shows that you'd have to, you know, if you were going to get into it, you'd have to really watch yeah. a lot of shows, a lot of, like, three-hour shows plus two-hour yeah. shows before that. And it comes uh how much time can... You know, this can really take from you. Yeah. And how many, and then, you know, they did the same thing boxing did to some degree of the the too many belts and all that stuff. But that's not as horrible as boxing. I don't want to make it sound as bad as that. But 
yeah. the product definitely became too oversaturated. I've never seen another show, a sport, more demanding of your time than than UFC. It's like these prelims start at six, and the card's not going to end till you know well after midnight. Like, but but yeah, you're going to tune in for all of this. So it's very arrogant of them. It's amazing. That's like like well, maybe some, baseball some or something. The WWE all the games. is doing that quite a bit now. I mean, <laughs> very good point. <laughs> Somehow have, I don't mind. You have a three-hour <laughs> raw. They're trying to make SmackDown more relevant, which is two hours, which no no one really watches unless you're really right. very into. I I don't even know what they do on that show. The tag team title picture, I guess. But the yeah, uh, I don't know, know that. <laughs> the. Uh, and then, you know, they, now they're starting to do what they should do, really, if they want to get the network going, is um, have some interesting segment on the network after Raw. Uh, and then there's also some other things on on, you know, on the pay-per-views. Uh, well, WrestleMania is a special case. I'm not going to criticize them for putting on, you know, uh, some of their attractions on the pre-show for, for WrestleMania. But um, it, it does become a thing where, I mean, we thought that, most of the time you watch WWE pay-per-view on Sunday at 8 o'clock, much for three hours, and you really had to uh, tune in around 6 o'clock on, on Sunday yeah. to watch the whole thing, which is, you know, it's WrestleMania. It's not a big deal. But it's, right. it, how demanding of your time can you start being? And UFC has gone well beyond that. There is yeah, uh, way overboard. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but JB, is is this the the UFC podcast or is this the Barbershop Window Wrestling podcast? Let's let's, uh, let's stick to our core focus of what we know here. Um, eh, but I guess we're still kind of talking about UFC. Well, I mean, what did you think of the Ronda Rousey bit? The um, I thought it was everything about it was was pretty good, except I, I guess you could be overcritical and talk about how long it lasted. Um, yeah, I there's there's an overarching theme about it that I like that involves Triple H that we'll get into later. Right. But the sure. <laughs> um, uh, overall, you know, the rock it, it's a it's a bit that they've been doing now at least last year I think a couple of years even before that where you know the rock comes out and it's personal personality driven bit. He comes out and he does his thing and he does it great. I mean, I was just watching his appearance in SNL. He does everything great, basically. You really can't criticize about anything he yeah. does at this point. <laughs> I haven't seen it. No, it's funny he said I haven't seen his SNL skit, but it's just like this guy, like, he, you're, you're absolutely, you said it perfectly. He just does everything great. I could almost describe, like, the only other person I might put in this category, at the and this is putting, like, my sexuality at, at the risk of this, is maybe, like, Justin Timberlake. Like, just, like, yeah. like a guy that everybody loves that just, like, it does every, does, like, every, me- oh, maybe that other, uh, <laughs> that other guy uh, that's just like this, um, uh, Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> right. Like, like he's sort yeah. of like in that category, right? Where just like just so likable 
I mean, just get very the camera. You can tell he puts and a lot of effort into anything he does, you know, no everything. matter if yeah. his yeah. range of things he usually does. Or I mean, and The Rock does that. And then the only thing you would say is that the other guys you mentioned are not from wrestling. So, obviously, it's pretty amazing that somebody from wrestling actually has crossed over to this degree. You know, it's the biggest yeah. movie star. They're almost out there. Um, yeah. And then JB, can you hear me like this? Just a quick mic check. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you all right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. Anyway, what were you saying? Yeah. So the yeah the Rock uh, was good on SNL, um, but you know this this segment obviously was was really good. I thought. Um, I think the uh, the Ronda is going to kill you chance was uh, was a particular highlight for me because I, I haven't really heard the WWE do that bit yet uh, WDBU audience yeah but uh, I remember they had a Bray's going to kill you chant for a, a little bit but it didn't catch on much legs when they realized he's not too great in the ring I guess but uh, <laughs> like yeah yeah no I I like that though no I thought it was good and then. Um, her appearance, although they, they had shown her earlier in the crowd, um, I think it was still a surprise that, that she was that involved in the show. And, um, okay. Yeah, no, I thought that yeah. I brought this up right at the beginning was just that she is she is a huge star to people that know her. And then the people right. that don't know her are just like, what's the big deal here? <laughs> <laughs> right. But I, this gets me back to the original point where I was coming, because I remember, like, Tom Lawler, like, a low-level UFC card, like, was going to come out with, like, the Time Splitters or something, or the Young Bucks in ROH. Like, how <laughs> esoteric is that, is that sentence? Like, Tom Lawler, <laughs> ROH, Young Bucks, like, like I mean, just some small level, he was going to walk him out, and Dana White, this was, like, two years ago, and Dana White's like, no not happening, and then, like, there was that thing where Vince McMahon was, like, begging for Brock to come on uh, when he was under UFC contract to appear in, like, that WrestleMania, and Dana had nothing to do with it. Like, uh, so I'm not sure. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, what do you think about Dana White? Like, I actually think you might know his personality more than me just because you're in, you like sports more than me and, like, you I feel like you might, I don't know what, really stupid assumption, maybe thinking, but I, I'd like to hear your opinion. I don't think Dana White's okay with this. Like, what do you think? Like, I, You know, I guess there's a lot of ways you can look at it. Just that, that first thing you're talking about with him tweeting about it and watching it um, and, and showing that he's okay with it. I think that's very possible from him. I mean, he's that kind of off the cuff. He doesn't maybe think about stuff like that in that, you know, that big a picture. Um, right. But overall, we do know that, the you know, WWE and UFC have been competing for talent for quite some time now, um, whether it be this mm-hmm. Brock contract or even before that. So I think there's there's always been that competition in the, in the like, there's, on the WWE side, there's usually a lack of acknowledgement of, the UFC side and then the UFC background and then same goes the other way. Um, the, I, I don't, the WWE's the a little that I've more acknowledging. That I don't understand yeah. business wise why either would think that way. Like the biggest thing in the world yeah. right now for either company would be if Brock Lesnar fought somebody 
whether it be Cain Velasquez or whoever it be, as the WWE champion in UFC. That would be a gigantic pay-per-view. <laughs> um, so oh, yeah. business-wise, I don't know why you would have that kind of adversity. Uh, that that's that's been that's existed for some time. God, that would be awesome if Brock came out with the WWE belt and Paul Heyman, <laughs> and then just <laughs> got into an octagon. Like that would be crazy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And so but I anyway, don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I don't. Yeah. Know. I mean, maybe speculatively, you could say that Ronda is doing that crossover thing, and maybe it's like leading to like somebody has a bigger picture like that. I kind of doubt it. But um, yeah, I don't. I, I I would agree. I I think though that Dana probably is portraying he's happy about it on Twitter, but he probably has some sort of um, disgust with it overall. Yeah, exactly. Even that Twitter photo he took, he's like lying on the ground, like watching the. I didn't dissect this photo, so. I hope nobody thinks I'm, like, analyzing photos. But it was just so obvious that it was, like, a staged photo. Like, he yeah. didn't take – he yeah, he he's looking at his laptop on the ground. Somebody's taking that picture of him intently watching Somebody's the screen. Somebody's taking that picture of him so, with a paused laptop of just trying to I know, it. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was – Yeah. It was definitely – Yeah. There was and, definitely and even an if attempt there to be like, this is, okay, I'll promote my brand part of this, but everything else yeah. I'm not really going to have to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was sort of, I don't know. But I think that's, like, really interesting. I just think that whole angle with, I think my gut, my instinct is Ronda Rousey just said, hey, I'm going to do this. If you don't like it, I don't care. And Dana White, and which who has no leverage over his talent or anyone, couldn't say anything. You know, what's he gonna say? Like, right? I mean, well, like, is that a contract breach? I think is the only thing that would actually concern him, and probably. Now, you could see there was very limited action. I thought on purpose in there because it probably would have breached a contract if they did anything more than the kind of half armbar she did, but. um she threw a 270-pound man, like, hip toaster <laughs> over her I, I would not describe that as safe. Like, I hate all these people, like, saying that Ronda Rousey's going to, like, fight a guy. You know, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Like, trust me, there's nobody tougher than my two sisters. Like, like no, no girls, like, tougher. Like, they could beat, like, anybody's ass. But, yeah, when we got into wrestling, no, there was no competition. You know, like, I just... That's a whole tangent. Jamie, let's move on from this UFC weirdo talk uh, that, that nobody cares about. Um, and let's get into, I wanted to talk about something else from the the WrestleMania show, which was something that, in my personal opinion, was very overlooked from the whole fallout. And that was how good The Undertaker looked and wrestled. Uh, during his match with Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Um, uh, I couldn't agree more. I, I thought, I think this is a very overlooked, I, I've, I've been seeing some of the reviews on, on this match over the last few days. I think this is mm-hmm. a very overlooked performance in general. I thought they were both very good. Um, I thought The Undertaker, and maybe again, you know, maybe again, there's there's been some of this expectation talk with how people kind of marked out to WrestleMania from the beginning, 
Um, yeah. And it was all based on the, the crappy expectations of WrestleMania. And again, I thought that The Undertaker, they didn't show him on TV for a long time because I was going to be like very upset at how bad he looked <laughs> when he came out. And he looked, right, right. He looked amazing. He looked great. He looked, um, yeah. He comes right out and does old school. He does everything you want to see as a fan of wrestling. And and that's a, actually a bigger part of the entire show, I thought, of WrestleMania was. If you're a fan of the WWE sports entertainment, they delivered for you on that end. They they totally delivered right. for you on that end the entire show. And I thought that was a big part of it. And, you know, uh, the fact that the match was not rated all that well by Meltzer and, all, and whatever, and everybody wasn't I don't, yeah. uh, all that high in the match, I think is kind of ridiculous considering I thought it was one of the highlights of the show. Yeah, I couldn't believe the reaction to it. Just from not only perspective of, like, God, like, it's so frustrating. Like, first of all, they're talking about, you know, like, some of the best entrances, and obviously Rusev's entrance was great. He come out on a tank, you know, it was nice and cool and dramatic. First of all, I thought Bray Wyatt's entrance was awesome. It was epic. Like, it was him, like, walking past the scarecrows and the scarecrows coming alive. Like, I thought that was a much bigger wrestle moment, maybe a moment, than it got credit for. And um, then, and it was odd because in the same breath as I'm, as I'm saying that, I thought the Undertaker's entrance was very lacking, um, which is fine. But then, obviously, just as you said, when he got in the ring, he looked great. It was a good match. It was a nice, you know, stiff match with a storyline to it. And, you know, you got the Undertaker victory. You could talk about the different ways that the the finish should have been booked, but and, and, but regardless of that, you know, looking at the positive notes, it almost ensures his presence at the next WrestleMania, and probably he looked great, probably even a build before that, as opposed to this build where we didn't see The Undertaker at all. Um, I, think there, I think there's nothing but positives to come out of this match, in my own opinion. And I wish that the reason why I brought it up in the podcast tonight, because I, like you, I was really surprised at the general reactions to this show. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was very good. And um, yeah, it, I, I, the one thing also about the match, which I think, so I'm not the biggest like Vince McMahon guy as far as how he books matches yeah. usually, but in the big moments he typically delivers, and I think he. He kind of knew before I knew, I would say, on this match, which way this match had to go. I think there was a lot of, you know, well, Bray should go over to kind of get him over for, yeah. for the long haul and all that. Um, when that match actually started and those two guys were in the ring, there was no other way that match should have gone. Undertaker needed to go over in that match if they had any prayer of saving him for another WrestleMania or anything. And it, it it didn't become very obvious to me until they were in the ring together. And I think that's there's there's a couple of other things uh, in the card uh, where I'll I'll say the exact same opinion where I didn't see necessarily until they were in the ring together which way the match should have gone, and that Vince nailed it. And this is definitely one. JB, yeah, JB, I'm so glad you brought that up. Once again, uh, you know. 
and for the general listening audience out there, me and JB, we have our moments when we disagree, and we will be furiously debating those points, maybe even in this podcast and definitely in future podcasts. So, so we're, we're, we're not marking for each other. But you brought up a point that I feel extremely, extremely uh, vindicated on. Because I've said it before, not on this podcast, but and that that point I'd like to bring up is the creative vision of Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon, this whole entire year, maybe the past two years, has really been getting shit on. And I'm not. I, I, I've said multiple times that I can't stand the creative direction of the WWE right right now. So, like, if you if you think I'm like being, be, if you think I'm like being marking up for Vince, like. Just listen to any of the past Barbershop Window podcast or, or talk to me on any other day, uh, and, and you'll hear me shit all over him. But when it comes to this big picture stuff, Vince really still has it. Like, the, the number one thing that I'd like to bring up, it's obviously the, the end of the match with Seth Rollins winning the title. And the one obvious thing there, who the hell had that creative vision to make Seth Rollins a heel, to put him in this position. Who saw that? Everybody was saying, oh, Dean Ambrose is a natural heel. Seth shouldn't have turned. What a stupid move. This is the dumbest thing in the world, me included. I I don't think I was that harsh, but I was saying some of the same things. I didn't understand why Seth Rollins was turning heel. Seth Rollins is the best heel that WWE had in a long time. I'm talking like decades type time. He's a masterful heel. And nobody saw that coming. Nobody predicted that. When he, I mean, I'm not talking about the prediction of the title, but just how good of a heel he is. When he <laughs> won the title and started swinging the title around his head, holy shit, I couldn't stop laughing. That's like having a baby and celebrating by throwing the baby up in the air and catching it. He's, like, so, like, subtly disrespectful and, like, like just how he's always, like, or on Raw the next night, how he didn't give Brock Lesnar's title shot and then ran, like, sprinted up the, out through the crowd, like, throwing James A. security and looking behind him. And he plays that. He's, I'm surprised he doesn't get the comparison to Ric Flair more. I'm really surprised. Because he, he plays that heel role just like Flair did in, in a way that's, that's not mimicking, that's not, you know, just biting off Flair's bit in, in its own unique way. But he just has that heel personality perfect. I think, and, and all this is so believable, obviously, because when he gets in the ring, he's so great. And he can, you know, and he, and he does those strong, crazy moves Still from, like, a cowardly fashion. Like, like you know, at the three-way, the triple threat with Cena, Brock, and, uh, and you know, uh, Rollins. Like, when he did that amazing jump from the top rope to the, you know, to the announce table. He sort of did that, like, oh, what do I do? You know, oh, I better do something. And he, then he jumps up. I just think he's playing this heel role, like, masterfully. And nobody had the vision. You know, had the vision Vince. Like, he knew exactly where to put it. And we wouldn't get... Oh, yeah, who was the the right heel heel guy to turn? Who was that right guy? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could ask a million different guys on the IWC what the right way to go with that was. 
And he'd probably of course. Uh, not have the right answer. And the right answer was Seth Rollins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think Vince also saw, like, and I'm not, I don't hate Roman Reigns. You put it perfectly in the last podcast when you said that Roman Reigns just isn't ready. Like, even though I was starting the, the podcast saying that he really took the beating well from Brock, in that main event, like, man, you just felt it. Like, this is a guy that just, he's not there. And Vince wanted him to be there, but he made the audible at the end and told, you know, Seth Rollins that, that he's winning. And I thought they all looked good. All three of those guys looked really good. Um, well, I think that, uh, can we just get the into that really quick? Because that, that started to come yeah, out the last, uh, the last day or so. I think this is uh, pretty interesting, especially in terms of the, the podcast, um, a few days after WrestleMania. But the, uh, the reports now are that the it was a, you know, last minute, at least huddling. I don't know if it was a last minute decision, but of Rollins coming in and learning that he was going to win the title, um, and sometime around when the rock and Rousey were out there. Uh, what do you think of that about that? Was it that or late? I heard it was like a two hours before mania started. I didn't realize it was that no. time. What I was reading today was that it was like that that late in the show that they huddled wow. everybody in a room, you know, the main parties, Heyman, uh, Reigns, yeah. Lesnar, and Rollins, and, and to ben, me of it's course, just and, yeah. To me, it's kind of just amazing how like I, I'm somebody that struggles to get dressed in the morning, and these guys can <laughs> like the athletic ability to just coordinate yourself and like. Seth Rollins just runs in, you know, and just, like, they hit everything, like, perfectly. Like, that sort of amazes me just from, like, kind of a childish perspective in that way. Um, But, yeah, that's crazy. No, I don't don't know what to say about that. But they they really play those things close to the chest, obviously. Yeah, well, I think it's good that they do at this point because of the, just the, you know, all the Internet speculation and that's a good good amount of the, audiences, you know, you guys like us are, are doing the, reading the internet and um, checking out what's, what, what is going to happen that night and everybody had their own opinions. Um, I thought they did a, they did a really good job of, of covering that up, obviously. Um, and doing it last minute like that would be the best way to cover it up. But uh, apparently the, uh, the Reigns family was really upset about the, the finish because they thought he was going to get the title which just, just makes me chuckle for so yeah, many reasons. Yeah, that makes me... Like, they're all wrestling family people. Like, that kind of makes me laugh that they would even think, oh, oh, plants can't right, be right. the last second in a wrestling show. <laughs> but, like, Mrs. Reigns is calling, you make my Roman champion! <laughs> like, it's very ridiculous. But on the um, match itself, so what did you... What, so... I heard you say that the you liked the kind of the stiff the stiff work they were doing early in the match. Well, I just think it was always generally hard to find like a uh, like another opponent that would pair up well against Brock. There haven't been too many. Um, the Undertaker certainly not one of them. Like uh, like Eddie Guerrero, for example, was a great opponent for. For Brock, um, another one was Kurt Angle, obviously. 
but it's sort of hard to find that guy like big enough that can sort of absorb uh, Brock's suplexes and 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 what he does. And it's not like Brock's a bully. It's not that because Brock will Brock sells with the best of them. The only time I ever believe a curb stomp is when Brock sells it. Like so, so it's not like Brock's a bully. Like he just works that style of match, and he'll he'll bump with everyone, you know, um, um, with the best of them. So I just think it's sort of hard to find that opponent that really has a great chemistry with him, um, that can like absorb his size. And I think Roman Reigns could be one of those people. Like I thought the match was good. I I, I thought it was pretty decent. Um, and the one thing I also said before the podcast started, not to reiterate. They went really stiff, and I'd love to hear, like, now everything's leaking out about the show. I'd love to hear about some conversation they had, like, okay, in the beginning, just really punch me, like, <laughs> like really had, because they must have had that conversation, um, unless Roman, you know, actually punched Brock Lesnar. Um, and, and it's just funny how how horrible the WWE creative is like, like Roman Reigns is somebody like he was a very high level, you know, great athlete on the football field. Um, sort of the type of guy that's, he's like a legitimate tough guy. Like I'm sure he could have turned just into the MMA. He'd kick all our asses like five times over. Like he, like he's probably, he seems like he'd be like a cool guy to sort of hang out with. And it's funny how, and everybody always says, I think without a doubt, that he has that presence. He has, like, that swagger, like, that natural energy. And how WWE just they can't even capitalize on any of this. Like, these things that fans, like, should just instinctively know. And I think they do instinctively know, but WWE creative just, like, ruins them. So it's just an I, – I don't have I, – I swear to God, I don't really have too much to say about it. Like, I just don't. Like like it like it is what it is like that match in general before Seth Rollins came in, but um, it's just yeah I'm trying to sum up my thoughts a little bit, but it's it's just it's just a kind of a well done match I think Reigns um sort of goes a little uh, um underrated little underestimated still the crowd hated him like especially that Monday. Uh, oh, Night Raw. And, well, and also, oh, the way they booked that Monday was not doing him any favors. And I, not I, even know, close. I kind of ran him problem. down the last last week. I kind of ran him down and yeah. said he didn't. You know, he just but I he didn't know deliver like, within the context yeah. of that feud. That's all I'm trying to say with yeah. that. And I have no, actually, I know what I, you're I, I too, and I agree with you. Yeah. Star. I, yeah. I, I can't imagine him not being a huge star. I mean, you, you could say also the fact that WWE is pushing him to the mood and all that's going to help. But he is—he's got a great look and everything about him. Is I, I think, you know, it's funny because those, um, those interviews that I've heard about him kind of pissing people off. Um, Maybe like Sam Roberts or whatever on that podcast. Um, right. <laughs> I sure, thought sure. that just lended to him being like a natural heel. Like he is very natural in that heel role. And if you just kind of ran with that, I don't. I I kind of think that he could just run away with the company. He's that good. Yeah. Uh, but so, but regardless of that, and like fantasy booking, which I, I don't like to engage in a lot of. Um, uh, leading up to this match was terrible. He was terrible. 
um, this overblown push to get him to be the next John Cena or whatever was just isn't isn't what anyone wants. Like no one wants another John Cena, mm-hmm. so let's just stop trying to yeah. do that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, and but in the match itself, I thought he was okay at what he did. I I, I would actually. Yeah. I would temper that a little bit with like how much you like them. Um, I, it was a lot of, you know, finishers and then, you know, two and a half, uh, right. before Rollins came out, which, you know, that's kind of what a WrestleMania match is these days. Um, but, uh, obviously the Rollins cash in delivered in, in every way. Um, yeah, I think it delivered even for anybody who was sitting out there as a Cena fan and uh, you know was rooting for Reigns. Yeah. Um, even for them, they de- it delivered, and it's part of that thing I was saying before, where I thought in this show, you know, Vince sometimes is aloof and just doesn't get it, but in this show he got it and he delivered for the fans, and he he knew what was the right reaction to get and how to get that reaction out of the fans. Right. And, you know, you say whatever yeah, you want about him, yeah. and I get why, why you would say it about him. This match, uh, it was a, another, uh, well, the clearest example of the show, um, you know, how brilliant he is in some ways and, uh, and, and why that match was so good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, JB, no more Roman Reigns. Even after our discussion, like, he just gets even bored talking about him. Like, God, I'm just so, like, sick of him. And I understand where he's coming from. Well, let's just say this about the the Raw after WrestleMania also. That last, I mean, that was a pretty hot show until until Lesnar pretty much took everything apart. Um, Yeah, yeah. It kind of went downhill from there, but it couldn't have gone more downhill than that made of that. And then them trying to, like still put Reigns over or something. Like, how do they not know that he's not going to be over that crowd? I don't... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. And they put him over at the I end. I think because people... Yeah, because they gave him... I mean, they gave him, like, that hero's effort at WrestleMania, so maybe they overestimated. Anyway, I don't want to talk about Roman Reigns anymore. I mean, the one thing... The, the one thing I do want to hit upon... Well, while we're there, just very quickly, because I want to hit upon another thing from WrestleMania. What was going on with Byron Saxton when he uh, he entered in for, uh, you know, JBL and Booker T and Michael Cole, of course, were taken out by Brock, and then Byron Saxton come Was that like a joke? Is that going to be like a storyline with him struggling with, like, audience anxiety and, like, a, a stuttering or something? <laughs> I, I thought that was... I legitimately thought that was going to be like a storyline with how bad he was uh, announcing the crowd. But, I mean, I sort of felt sorry for him because what a terrible decision on the part of the WWE to put throw him out there the Monday night after Raw alone. Like, that, that was but, amazing. Do, do, do you know anything about that? or, or, or I, I, you know, any I haven't heard anything about that. I've obviously heard the criticism of it. I actually thought that yeah. the... That he was trying to like play a role where he was just That's like, what I, I don't know I what, what I'm doing say. out here. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing out here. Like, I didn't expect to be out here. Brock Lesnar, you know, ruined the show, and I'm just out here kind of trying to put something together. 
And if that's what he was trying to do, that works. (laughs) That works. Yeah, yeah, he really did it. If he was, like, trying to take advantage of his opportunity and grab the brass ring, (laughs) that was not not delivering. (laughs) I felt awkward and uncomfortable watching Raw. I felt awkward, like, like it was the first time I was asking a girl out. Like I had the same emotion elicited <laughs> just watching Raw. Like it was, it was, ah, it was terrible. And, and well, you, but we've had a couple of those instances before where somebody's destroyed the show, like that Nexus incident and everything, and the, the announcers get all you know beaten up, and the, they end up showing the replays with no commentary at all. And and I've always found yeah. every one of those moments to be really good. Like I I think it really yeah. Does. That like when they were doing replays of the incident with no commentary, I thought that was right. I mean, it just it just enhanced it even more. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, whether that was what Brian Byron Saxton Saxton's role was after that, I'm not sure, or if he was just nervous. I'm not sure. The famous, yeah. you know, Vince is in your ear thing, and how do you even deal with that the first time you're dealing with it? <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I think but, but Vince, I'm sure Vince would tell him, call the match. Like, say what's happening in the ring. Like, I'm sure that'd be the first thing Vince said. But then Lawler came out, and I swear, I'm going to sound like the biggest mark, but we got the old, awesome Lawler that called the action and made the announce team interesting. Am I wrong? I thought it was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think most of the fans, you know, miss Lawler and, and like Lawler. Mm-hmm. Um I, I mean, I don't think Booker T's terrible. I, they announced Crew and Jen terrible, and it's yes, it's like beating now, a dead JB, horse. Did you? That. Everyone thinks that. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's cliche to say, Jamie. Did you think for any second that uh, good old Jr. Jr. Slap a uh, crooked face Jr. would make his big <laughs> appearance when uh, the announced team got beat up? Uh, I I did not have that on my radar, but I, I yeah, did I didn't see some either. sort of rumoring out there that the WWE is trying to bring him back. Oh, I'm really? wondering what you think about that. I, didn't see that. I mean, I'm all for it, obviously, not to say something stupid. They probably, see, I know the WWE, just from being a lifelong fan of this shitty freaking company, so they'll probably bring him back to, like, next or something, NXT. Like they'll do something <laughs> stupid. They're not going to bring him back like to Raw immediately. I just know they'll do something dumb like that. Like the same oh, way. I hope they Rich put, Brennan's like, going to be okay because he's been doing it. He's right. Doing yeah. <laughs> like this, kind of like the same way. Like they, like Dusty Rhodes was the uh, the next general manager for a while. Like kind of like in that same. I just have a feeling doing something dumb like that. Like something really annoying. Anyway, um, yeah. but Jamie, one yeah. thing I wanted to talk about uh, that uh, I think you might have something to say on, and I do too, is the Sting Triple H match. WCW versus WWE, <laughs> tale as old as time, David versus Goliath, Lions versus the Gladiators. Uh, what do you think of this amazing, uh, epic story that was being uh, uh, displayed in the ring by Triple H and Sting? Um, it was <clears throat> it was a testament to uh, to Triple H and his legacy. <laughs> it is right. It perfectly Amazing. describes Triple H. I mean, the, 
the Max Landis video perfectly described Triple H, so this match uh, just, you know, just brought that even farther along. Uh, <laughs> the, I mean, you, there's so many places you can go with it. Uh, where else would you well, start? I mean, Jamie, uh, but from the they beginning, typically the say, entrance. yeah, the best place to tell a story is at the beginning. Right. So, oh, my God. And I so love this that. entrance. I this last week, I love the build-up to this match. I thought the build-up was good. Right. Except for, you know, the whole, there was like a little bit of that nonsense WCW thing. This comes from a guy who was uh, 100% on board with WWE or WCW. But the idea mm-hmm. that they have to continue to do this, like, oh, WCW, it's blah, blah, blah. Um, and they did it through kind of the lead-up to this, although Sting constantly was trying to be like, no, it's not about that. Um, that was right. annoying. So you, you had that to yeah. lead up to it. And then sure enough, WrestleMania comes around, and that's what it is. <laughs> right, right. But not before... Uh, Triple H came out as the Terminator um, in a very confusing entrance, which showed him as a Terminator, but then holding up the heads of other dead Terminators, um, that he needed help taking that costume off. It it was. What did you think about that entrance, JB? Well. You know, I'm not a big. Um, I know this will shock people as a wrestling fan. I'm not a big, um, you know, comic book or like fantasy movie fan. Whoa, necessarily. yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't find any of that interesting or appealing, uh, or the Terminator series appealing. Um, although, right. you know, obviously, there was there was a cross cross promotional effort going on here, so that's why this happened. Uh, but I have talked to a couple of people who watch WrestleMania and are that type of people that like to, that enjoy the Terminator series and all that, and they thought it was patently ridiculous. And yeah. I, you know, <laughs> as a wrestling fan, obviously it was ridiculous and had no place in, in the show. Um, right. And then the only thing that was interesting about it was later on I saw the photo of some of the soldiers were um, were uh, uh, the guys from NXT. Yep. <laughs> so that, yeah, that was yeah. about it. And that was uh, it was an awful, awful entrance. And, and if they were trying to appeal to as some sort of crossover audience, they failed miserably. I can tell you from, yeah. from the small the small sample set that I I asked about. Sure, so, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But one thing that was really fun that I just thought was so ridiculous when I was watching it is when he's, you know, he's, you're looking through the Terminator eyes and the Terminator eyes are scanning the crowd for trying to find a target. And the target Sting, and but, but we know Sting hasn't come out to the ring yet. <laughs> so he's like scanning the crowd <laughs> for Sting. Like, I didn't understand. Like, even logically, it didn't make any sense, like any premise of it. But um, well, anyway, yeah, so logically, we, nothing yeah. made sense. But the, it started yeah, off of course, but, yeah. make sense where um, also, like, what, were people supposed to mark out for that? Because the guy who's targeting the Sting is the heel, and Sting's clearly the face, where people are supposed to be like, oh, this is great. Like, they're targeting Sting. <laughs> yeah, I even, yeah. Um, I thought Sting's entrance, though, was kind of cool. It didn't make any sense. Sting has never portrayed himself as, like, an Asian man. Uh, <laughs> right, Asian, right, like, like an Asian vibe to the WWE <laughs> Sure, <opposite>. sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, okay, we went with that. Um, but then the match that pitted uh, WWE as represented by Degeneration X, a clique of Hunter's friends against WCW and the NWO, another clique of Hunter's friends. Um, <laughs> was very odd just in terms of and, and this is being said by somebody that uh, when I was watching it I was marking out over it I thought this was great always in the back of my head I was thinking okay this is awesome it doesn't make a lick of sense or it has nothing to do with the history of what actually happened at this company that is very inaccurate but I'm on board with because I see things I remember from when I was a kid um but storyline-wise, I just thought it was, yeah, just like you said, just reeking of Triple H's arrogance uh, in the ring. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, um, I, I, I couldn't disagree with you. I, I, I loved when those guys came out and I barked out. And I think you said right. something like, I'm thinking of changing my name to Mark. And I couldn't, right. I couldn't agree more. Um, right. I was, I was, I was so into these guys just showing up um, that I marked out, and it took me like a good couple of days to realize how ridiculous it was, storyline-wise. Yeah, which is fine. It's totally fine to do that. I, I think it's totally fine to do that. Uh, this is WrestleMania. WWE is, like, is all about sports yeah. entertainment, and for me, I like sports entertainment. I don't. I'm not that big into the wrestling. You know. Uh, whatever the work rate and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm like not dying to see that. I do like sports entertainment and it was delivering format for me to that at, at, uh, at every turn during that match. But then, you know, you yeah. start at the NWO and yes, all those guys are Nash's uh, and Nash's, uh, triple H's friends and the entire WCW storyline was and JB. them being anti sting and sting being anti NWO. So, <laughs> Yeah, but one thing, why I just have to, why do we mark out over this? We see these motherfuckers all the time. I know, they show up all the time. They show up all the fucking time. And for some reason, I I was was dying for, like, Ric Flair to show up. I was dying for it. Like, it was, like, it was going to change my life if Ric Flair showed up, which would have made (laughs) sense. Right, right. (laughs) Which would have made perfect sense. Well, it wouldn't have, okay. JB, would you like to hear my fantasy book? You I, just said you hate fantasy please. booking, but I, I, I'd like to give <laughs> you mine, okay? Okay. Yeah. So that was fine. You know, Triple H and Sting, they're having the match or whatever. Triple H appears on the verge of losing. Degeneration X shows up, furious, running to the ring. Uh, Sting, you know, sort of like they do like that ninja from the movie attack where they for some reason don't gang up and they all kind of attack at once and Sting's able to fend them off. They did all of that perfectly, okay? Now notice that everybody in Degeneration X, and God, they should have fucking had China show up. Like, I know, they just should have done well, Imagine know, the mark out, like, that. <laughs> uh, no, it's not going to happen, but, like, come on. Um, but anyway, so they had Degeneration X all rushed the ring. Sting was it. Okay, then, what? here comes Shane's version. Then, degeneration up, eventually they all pack together and they're beating the crap out of Sting. Now, notice that everybody in Degeneration X, though, maybe with the exception of Sean Waltman, are still physically fit. They can all bump. Definitely. 
You know, they, 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 they can all have matches. I think the fucking badass Billy Gunn and Road Dog had a match at the last pay-per-view against the Ascension. Like, why are we marking out to this as fans? They're all just Triple H's buddies that he takes care of. Anyway, regardless yeah, of Yeah, no, I agree. But so, yeah, they can all bump. Then who comes out, JB? Who comes out to beat the crap out of all these guys that they could have gotten easily? Easily, the one W, the, the person that's means W WCW that really saw the company not from maybe the beginning, but straight, but 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 straight to the end and really gave them their defining moments as a company. For Ric Flair, obviously. JB, no, JB, why didn't they get Goldberg? Why oh, wouldn't they just do it? <laughs> then Goldberg could come out and just thump all of the Generation X and beat up all four of them and level them out in the ring. Imagine the crowd. Imagine what would have happened. Then you could sort of disperse, you know, the crowd, and then you could still have that spot where Shawn Michaels comes in and super kicks Sting, and then why wouldn't you have Ric Flair come out and beat up Shawn Michaels? Like, why didn't they do that instead of having the NWO? If they wanted to be like, yeah, it was just to 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 do that, to to... You know what I mean? To, to well, I, you know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the, the match, uh, yeah. So that so they had all these run-ins, and then Michaels was the last run-in, and then the sledgehammer and all this stuff, and and then Sting loses. What was, was very funny, funny. JB? I'm I'm sorry, I'm so, getting yelling uh, Sting over you. But was very that. funny. That. <laughs> what? What made you laugh? Triple H just won anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was pretty much. But what I thought was really funny was when uh, Scott Hall gave Triple H the bat. I think that was the, I mean, gave Sting the bat. I think that's the first time Scott Hall and Sting ever interacted ever. We have to review Were they ever in a storyline together? I can't, I mean, you know what, back in those days, it's very possible. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. And they have the old guys bumping on on Sting at one point, I'm sure. But <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Actually, so that bit was rarely done. Was Scott Hall took a teased the uh, the razor's edge and took a Why? back body drop yeah. the entire time. Why did he do that? Holding the toothpick in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but JB, that uh, spray paint bit was uh, rarely done. In WCW, right? The, yeah, the spray yeah. paint on the back. I'm surprised I'm saying it all blends together. Like it wasn't just a magical right, right, event right. that happened once, <laughs> once or twice. Jamie, I believe we have a caller. Uh, let's welcome this gentleman to our torturous, belabored uh, show, just reviewing the same points. Um, there's a little delay in my system, so I'll let you know when he. It looks like a he. Why am I assuming this caller's male? Could be a female interested in, uh, you know, our conversations about professional wrestling. You never know, I suppose. Um, but JB, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I thought that match was rather confu- confusing, and then the fact that Triple H to go over I, was just ridiculous. Right. Well, we haven't got the most ridiculous part yet, which was the aftermath of the match. Oh, please. Please go on. Well, the fact that uh, 
Triple H as the heel then decided to do like this super baby faced move of shaking hands with his arch rival at the end of the match. No. Which oh was, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I forgot about this, that. Uh, like it, it made zero sense, first of all. Um and why like thing just sat there and took it, like it made zero sense. It made no sense in any context. And then not only that, he's got to, like, because Triple H wants to be the good guy, like, in real life. So that's why he did that. And then, about an hour later, he runs down Sting from beating him. Yeah. It was amazing. I mean, the, 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 I remember when we were talking during the free that's the first thing I said to you. Like, why would they shake hands? Triple H just won with a sledgehammer. It's not like right, they he had won by this. cheating, like in an assault. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they had this respectful, honorable match where they each earned each other respects. It was like the exact yeah, they act like it that. was like Guerrero Malenko in like the ECW arena in '95. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Dave Starr would obviously, I mean Dave Meltzer would obviously not give any more than like three stars or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dave Meltzer hated ECW in spite of like the so many great matches that they had. But uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, JB, let's, uh, I'm not sure if this caller is going to be connected because uh, their wonderful uh, internet connection I hear have at the Hyatt Place in New Orleans. JB, have you ever been to New Orleans? Uh, not in many years. Not many years. Yeah, it's an interesting place. A very grimy city. Very, uh, reminds me of like New York in the the, the like early 90s around there, where uh, you you probably won't believe me. Every time I'm here, I find myself in some, like, situation where somebody's, like, following me. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I think I'm joking. Like, like, just, like, somebody, like, eyeing me up, like, looking to take my my traveler's bag. Like, uh... I'm always uh, always very interested in what hellhole of the country you're broadcasting from. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and, yes. It's, it's very good. And the one I mean, one's usually it's so, like one of the better ones I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually it's some bumblefuck. Well, the worst one might be Queens, New York, JB. I mean, let's that's, be honest here. That's fair. Uh, do you have anything else to say about um, the Triple H Sting match? And, uh, I mean, what I'd like to ask you is where does this place sting? Like, where is he actually going to be after this? Like, what's the program that he's working next? Um, but, you know, there was a lot of rumors about the the Undertaker-Sting uh, match for the next WrestleMania was going to... Uh, the the build-up to that was going to be after WrestleMania. Obviously, that wasn't the case, but... Um, oh, Jamie, did you see him? But he was on the the... Like the ad, the post show on the network after WrestleMania. Did you see this? Oh, you know what? I actually didn't see that. I didn't see it either. I heard it was. Ex- and the, the reason why it didn't turn in is because after that, I just heard it was extremely anticlimactic. So I guess oh, okay. I didn't bother. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I, they I, didn't I like hint in the direction. <clears throat> yeah. It's interesting because they, they said that um, this thing. I mean, I don't know. This is all. Bullshit rumors. Who knows? <laughs> Sting was uh, yeah always hesitant to go to the WWE because they didn't want him to tarnish his character and then, you know, you know ruin him by putting him as like WCW and then failing as a WCW guy. That's pretty much what they did to yeah. him. Um, 
so if all those things right. are true, that's what you got. Um, and I actually, I've never been a huge Sting fan or anything, so I almost don't care. But, uh, right. I, you know, uh, so the way the match is put, the, the, it's really just not even like whether you're a fan of Sting or not. The way that whole match was booked was just stupid. And then again, that, that, that the, the, the events afterwards were just ridiculous. Like, and yeah. he ran down Sting for like a good couple of minutes during his little promo before The Rock came out. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely crazy. I I couldn't believe my eyes what I was watching there. Um, I I just wait. No, I mean the one last thing I'll say about this like uh, match and I guess this like program in general was just like um uh uh. What am I saying? It, like the, this, this program in general was just kind of like, um, like they were so worried about Sting. I think like, oh, he's not going to cut a good promo. He's going to be so bad in the ring. Like I feel feel like they were very worried about things like this. Like like the way they sort of that promo that he cut on Raw that one night that wasn't his voice. Like just bizarre. Like yeah. like they didn't oh, use his terrible. voice because they yeah. thought he could. Yeah, and then like they were so worried about him in the ring, like in gen, like just um, uh, just in general, like just worried about him like working in the ring. And I thought both of those things, like when he was able to talk, he cut a great promo, and then all of a sudden when he was in the ring, I thought he was great in the ring. So I mean, it was just yeah. like um, yeah, yeah, I agree yeah. with both those so, points. I, I, I don't want to belabor but, it anymore, but I, I was actually, I was actually very surprised how good he was in the ring, and I did yeah. actually enjoy his promos, which I didn't, I didn't think I would actually. So I, I thought both because were, the were WWE very good. told you you wouldn't, like the WWE, they, they positioned this guy so shitty, like this WCW like holdover that never made it. You know, like I don't know why they did. That. Well, we know why they did that, but it's incredibly like, childish, like you know, reasons why why I think they they position them so shittily, like, in the beginning. But anyway, I'm interested to see where they go with it. I guess we'll be at the next WrestleMania. I mean, what do you think? Do you care? Like, I kind of don't care. Like, if I, I feel like that was the end of it. I, I saw, um, yeah. I thought it was as interesting as Meltzer, who I, I'd actually like to one day, we should really, on a less busy week. We should definitely have a discussion about Dave Meltzer. It's like the only credible person that does this. Um, but right. he, he said well, something to get him on the podcast one day, Jake. Yes. Well, I, just, yeah. I just think it's very funny how he's the only person who's credible at all that, that talks about wrestling. Right, right. And everybody yeah, is yeah. completely nonsense. Certainly not us. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, that's just a side point. But the... Um, yeah. He said that uh, he loved the match live, and then when he watched the match on television later, um, the commentary, the way they framed that match, made it the ridiculous farce it was. And and I think that's interesting that that yeah, and you you basically just said the same thing just in a different way that the WWE framed that the way it was, and that's why it came off that way. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Anyway, Jimmy, I also wanted to talk about um, uh, uh, really quickly from the Raw after WrestleMania, 
Um, one point about the show that I thought was incredibly interesting, but sort of, uh, you know, maybe something that, that seemed like a minor point in the show when it was happening, but was that Divas match? Um, when they had AJ Page and Naomi on one side and the Bellas and Natalia on the other side, I thought they were working well. I thought they they weren't doing a bad job in the ring, especially when Naomi's in there. You know, she kind of always delivers. Like, she'll give good action. And, and they're wrestling. But, wow, that crowd couldn't have been less interested in that match. Like, they were just trying to entertain themselves, like, start uh, – start new chants and they actually did some like creative things just with the chanting, just sort of doing their own thing, like in the crowd while the Divas match was going on. What is so bad about the Divas match right now, about the Divas division right now? I mean, I really can't put my finger on it per se, but I was just going to bring it up as a point of concern where this was like a smart crowd as you said, they'd appreciate the, okay, maybe if, like like you just said, you're a fan of sports entertainment, I feel like this crowd was a fan of sports entertainment and wrestling, so they could appreciate, like, wrestling in the ring as well. And the Divas were giving it, but they just couldn't get into it. They were so, like, unenthusiastic. After a shitty Divas match at WrestleMania, which I thought was, that, that match at WrestleMania, I thought was, Terrible. One, it was creative. It didn't mean anything. It really didn't, you know, it wasn't even for the title. It was just a weird tag team match that from any throwaway match they'd have on Raw. But again, just sort of a botchy, weird match at WrestleMania. Um, maybe it was hangover from that match, but I just wanted to get your opinion on what you think is really wrong with that Divas division in the WWE right now. Um... Wow, that's, that's, there's a lot to say there. Uh, it's very hard to put that one thing. It's very hard to put your fingers on. Like, I don't watch Total Deep. Um, right. I should. I, 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 I do, episode. and I, I love it, I'll be honest. <laughs> so why can't they translate that? Yeah, it's a very popular show. I think it's like the second most reality show watched on VH1. So why can't they translate that popularity over from Total Divas to their matches or just their storylines in the WWE. I don't understand. I think they have trouble. I mean, there's there's going to be a problem usually with the fact that they are not as physical, physically gifted as, as a male wrestler. I mean, that's going to be a problem. The, the matches are just, when they're as good as, you know, when they're good, they're not going to be as good as a good male match. And, I, you know, I feel like you're going to get a ton of flack for saying something like that. But it's just a physically, uh, you know, dominated sport. So you, you, there's certain moves that the women can do that men can't do and certain pacing that the women can't do um, that I think was probably the biggest problem in that match uh, for the crowd, especially the... Um, the uh, the, the raw crowd, which I thought was pretty ridiculous, the, the things they were chanting at the, at the women. But um, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but I actually, you know, I said this before. I I like the the deepest division in the WWE. I think it's I think it's pretty good for the most part. I thought the match on Raw was 
very good. Um, it was one of the better matches yeah, of the night, if you ask me. That's exactly uh, I thought, I thought the crowd reaction really, completely distracted yeah. from how good a match that was. Um, right. But you're you're dealing with a lot of times on that on the main event roster level, and it doesn't happen on NXT level because the NXT they give divas a chance or whatever hashtag you want to give it. They uh, they give divas a chance, and the crowd really respects them, and they've they've delivered over time. Um, on WWE, that's completely inconsistent. They, you know, get treated like garbage, and they also promote some of the divas are not that great at wrestling. Um, right. I think, you know, the Bellas are a great example of that. They're not very good at wrestling, but they're very popular. They were never meant to be wrestlers, but they've tried to take that on, and I would say they've actually done a lot more with it than I would have ever expected out of them. Yeah, but, um Yeah. And I think Especially that leads to how bad that WrestleMania match was because they were they you know they're they're just not set out to be in a WrestleMania match um, with that crowd. But same thing happens uh, throughout throughout kind of the Divas roster where there's this WWE feeling where you know we're very mainstream and we want to appeal to all these women also. So we have these women characters that are popular on reality show, but they're maybe they're not good wrestlers right now. We'll try to make them good wrestlers. And yeah. that's where the the disconnect is. And it, it, like I'm, I don't get I'm like kind of okay. With a lo- <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't get just because a lot of those quote unquote wrestlers on the show, like Eva Marie and Eve Torres, like like they never wrestle, and it's just confusing. Right. Like, what is their place in the WWE? Are they just to be on that reality TV show? That's fine. Oh, I think I like, think there's some of them that, that that's definitely their place. Yeah. But they were here before that, which is which is confusing, you know. Like, I think Eve Torres has been with the WWE for like eight years or something, so like a ridiculous amount of time. And no, I don't mind that she's on the 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 show at all. Like, I, I I'm this isn't like a judgment call at all, especially when she kisses Paige like that. Um, that was one of my favorite moments from the WWE in general. But uh. You know, it's just like they're, they're in such like a confusing situation where they just get on. My point was they're just, I think, in such a confusing situation when these divas get on TV, the audience, even a smart audience that would appreciate that wrestling, like doesn't know what the hell to think. Like if they're supposed to like really take this seriously or they're supposed to, you know, look for the drama that goes on in Total Divas and everyone's just so confused, like. But yeah, there's mind. definitely that confusion. I mean, there's you know yeah. they sometimes are doing things just for the sake of the total divas angles that that show up three three months later on that show, or um, the crowd. How are they supposed to react to that match? I don't know. I, you know, they, they, I thought the things they were saying were ridiculous, but um, I think that. Also, the fact that the, the you got all these divas, they come from all sorts of different places. Like some of them, yeah. you know, like Paige is somebody that like grew up in the business and is basically a carny. <laughs> and 
<laughs> she appeals to wrestling crowds because she knows how to deal with wrestling crowds. And then you have other people that are like fitness models that like maybe make that transition to figure out how to deal with wrestling audiences, or maybe they don't. And it, it's it's a it's it's a very different mindset than a lot of the male wrestlers who well most of the male wrestlers just got into wrestling because that's what they wanted to do. Or sure. you know so it. That's what you're dealing with. And and the roster has gotten better over time, getting people like Paige and Natalia and, and, and so so on. And then the NXT roster, obviously, has even taken people from those worlds and, and made them into kind of more just wrestling people and understand yeah. the business they're in. Um, but then you see it. I've seen it on Total Divas. Like Eva Marie just does not understand the wrestling business. And has no interest yeah. in the wrestling business. So right. you know, a person like that, like I almost have no respect for her in the wrestling business because they have. So no she she said she business. yeah. Where what's her background? Just like she has no interest in wrestling. Like that's true. Like well, if you watch the sh- the Total Divas show, she doesn't know. She, like she has no interest in the storylines that are going on. She has no interest. In they, like they brought her out to do ring announcing at one point. And she didn't know the names of like people on the roster, or <laughs> didn't even bother to it's study it. Funny. And I don't right, know. Right, right. A lot of the what goes on told you sometimes at work. I think. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind. Of, I thought it was kind of, and it continues to show like in her personality. She's not. Sure. She's not working out at the performance center every week trying to figure out how to be better diva in ring. Like she has right, no interest right. in that. So yeah, I yeah. think that. Um, problems there. One thing during that match is that they, the fans actually are so smart, they uh, started chanting AJ Lee instead of CM Punk, which CM Punk actually instructed the fans to do during that Cole Cabana podcast to, uh, you know, instead of chanting his name, to chant his wife's name. Um, oh, right. Which I thought. Yeah, I thought it was pretty gay. I, I if I if, if I was AJ Lee, I'd be particularly mad that uh, she's you know uh, in a match at WrestleMania, the biggest stage ever, and her husband doesn't show up to support her. Like that has to be like a little strain in their relationship. No, like I don't know. I hope they get. And if you get really I, into I, the I, whole uh, internet uh, speculation about their relationship, things are not going so well. So. Yes, yes, that's what I'm referring to. She, uh, I believe she, uh, she unfollowed CM Punk. I, I mean, I'm sure that's also two hipster idiots trolling. Like, oh, people are so concerned about our marriage. You know, um, he's the one known to uh, to troll and and do stuff like that anyway. So, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. But I just think it's funny that, like. Like I've I've never been like I've never been married, but I've been like I had like serious relationships, and if you don't go with your girlfriend to the supermarket to pick up groceries or something, you're immediately on the you know in the doghouse for a week. Like imagine like not showing up at WrestleMania to support your wife who's in a match at the like I understand he had the falling out with the company, but this, I mean that's sort of ridiculous. I don't know why I brought that up, but just coming from the perspective of the diva division in general. Right. Well, I mean, um, the, the main thing, the match on WrestleMania was, was pretty bad. 
And um, oh, really? They, they were really yeah, wanted I, to give I, Divas a chance. They just would have had like Paige and AJ do like twelve minutes, and they probably would have done it well, and that would have been fine. Uh, and then they, but you know, you got to throw the Bellas in because they're marketing the hell out of them, and they're selling a lot of merch, yeah. and there's a lot of women that like them, so. That's what it is. You know, you get to the WWE, there's other factors at play. As a fan, like, you can't go crazy about that. Yeah, it's fine. I'm actually a little harsher on uh, Paige, AJ, and the Bellas for that WrestleMania match in terms of, like, like no, it's not the Bellas. Like, like they, they want to, like, rep this whole give Divas a chance and let us have these, like, you know, matches that are on par with it. No, why would they? They went in there and they totally sucked. It was like a botchy, ridiculous match to have on a WrestleMania card. And it was well, almost yeah, like embarrassing. I agree, but I think that was a bad match. I think, I don't think that was the match to have on the WrestleMania card if you were going to give Divas a chance. Like, I think you would have, you know, at least had Charlotte out there or something like that if you really wanted to promote the Divas division. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I, I agree with point. you, but I agree with you, but even performers. But as a performer, you should learn to do more with less. And if you're booked in, like, that shitty sort of statement, like, look what, you know, Cesaro and Tyson Kidd did. They were supposed to be, like, a nothing paired together because they had nothing else to do, and they ran with it. Or, like, Bad News Barrett recently was given, like, a joke gimmick and, and went as far as he possibly could with it, you know, getting getting totally over. Like, like you get, get yourself over as a performer, too. And they keep, like to go back to very famous Monday night after Raw, but they they keep dropping the ball, you know, in my opinion. I don't think it's totally to blame with the the, the creative team, so I'm not sure. And especially, it just goes back to when you look at NXT, you know, the the, the women's division, the, the Divas, they're my favorite part of the entire show, so, you know, I'm not sure what to really make of that. Um, Jimmy, you have anything to talk about for that uh, Raw after WrestleMania? Raw after WrestleMania. Um, I mean, the highlight was, I think, obviously Brock and uh, Paul Heyman coming out at the beginning and then the subsequent uh, segment an hour later. Um it's funny because Paul Habit just had me marking out the entire first 15 minutes of that show. And I, I, I mean, completely believe that we were getting that match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His promo was so funny and just so good when he's saying, like, as, I mean, just like everything he says is so, like, heel and awesome. and <laughs> Like, he addressed the audience to this, as you know. As you know, audience, because you've all read about, like, my dude, as you know, my father was a prominent lawyer in New York. Therefore, I was able to inform Brock about his contractual, like, so funny, just making the assumptions that, like, uh, you know, not only, uh, you know, because since his father was a lawyer, uh, he knows the law. And uh, we should have known that his father was a lawyer. Just very, very funny. Um, <laughs> great promo that he cut in the, in the beginning of the match. Um, and just, uh, I like the idea that Brock was suspended because it takes him out of the 
the wrestling, like the title picture for a while. And essentially, what I'm what I'm saying there is, it's it's I like that fact that he was suspended because it protects him from WWE creative. Like, imagine if WWE creative had the right like promos for Brock every week, they'd totally destroy his mystique, and we'd end up hating him. So I'm glad he's off the TV. You know, that's how bad, like, WWE creative has got. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I thought that was just, like, a good good angle or whatever. Um, I've sort of left after that show, like, left sort of ambiguous how to feel about what type of matches we're going to see at Extreme Rules. Um, oh, yeah. Well, they've been doing a bad job of that for... A while now. Yeah. You're not going to get I mean, if I had much to, of an extreme yeah. rules card, probably even next week, I would guess. If I had to guess, it'd probably be Seamus who made his awful return, like just boring return. Uh, Seamus and Daniel Bryan, right? For the See, I'm going to kind of disagree with you there on the Seamus thing, if you, if you don't, if you'll indulge me. <laughs> oh, I shall. JB. The uh, the 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 Seamus thing is interesting. I I I I know. Yeah, Seamus is completely uninteresting as a character. I I understand that. Right. And um, as a heel character, I'm interested to see just where it goes. Just because I know I'm going to have to deal with him for like the next five years of my life. <laughs> right. So right, right. I don't want to see what happens with it because the original character. Uh, well, if you go really back, the original character was a heel character, but the character that we've been dealing with for the last three years is kind of a, a Cena superhero ripoff. Um, yeah, yeah. And that is something that just cannot go on any longer. Like, you got to stop with the superhero guys with their comeback yeah. and all that bullshit. Like, it's got to stop. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully there will be some depth to this Seamus character. And, 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 I mean, he's not going away anytime soon. So, hopefully there's something here to him running a heel character. Uh, I think I remember him being sort of like a, like a clever guy, right? Like, there's there's more to him than just, like, I am wrestler man thing. <laughs> like, I think he's sort of, he can do a, a little bit on the mic, right? He's a little... Um, no, I'm trying to psych myself up <laughs> to be interested in Seamus, and it's not working. I'm not interested at all. I couldn't care less about Seamus, but I'm glad you you find, see something. I'm just hoping. About I'm hoping for something out of this. <laughs> right, right. I thought I did appreciate the "you look stupid" chance. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, the "you look stupid" chance was the best chant of the night. I thought I really yeah, yeah. hit the nail on the head. <laughs> And I mean, I think him and Brian could, in general, just have a good match. Definitely, because Brian can have a good match with anyone. As much of annoying, I think. Oh, or are we actually going to see the triple threat between Brian, him, and Ziggler? God, this is so boring. I can't even finish the sentence. Oh my God! Let alone sit down and watch a match with them. God, it's really so frustrating. Like I can't I'd go. rather I'd rather not discuss any future plans. You know the WWE. You know what's going to happen. This Extreme Rules is going to be so half of the card's going to be rematches of WrestleMania. And yeah, half the card's going to be things you don't care about. And that's true. I mean, see. I believe that 
that Cena took out Rusev tonight. Are they still going to go with that gimmick? I'll kill my God. They're still. <laughs> yeah, it happened tonight on SmackDown. I didn't care about that oh, for WrestleMania. Thing, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, one thing from my notes that I have here, my carefully written notes about wrestling Good. for the week, was I thought the Cena-Ambrose match on the Raw WrestleMania was very good. I thought it was, it was a great match. No? You like, this, you like that match on WrestleMania? No, no, no. At the Raw after WrestleMania, Cena-Ambrose. Oh, the Raw after WrestleMania. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a, a really good match um, with them. Well, I thought uh, that that match was terrible. It was terrible. The lead-up was it's terrible in WrestleMania. And then in WrestleMania, the match was terrible. But, I, again, WWE, sports entertainment, uh, Rusev coming out in a, in a tank, that was tremendous. How, how do you get any better than that? That's what WrestleMania is all about. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Like I said, I'm just uninterested in that. But, yeah, it was at sports entertainment-wise, it was good. Um, but, yeah, was, Cena took Rusev out at SmackDown. So I don't know if they're continuing that angle. I have no clue. Ugh, I don't fucking uh, care. That sounds I'm, pretty I'm bad. Bored. I mean, it's one of those, like, I'm bored just match. talking about this shit. Yeah. The rematch arcs that they do sometimes at these pay-per-views is just nauseating. Yeah. Yeah. If I have to see Ziggler on my television again, flopping around and overselling like some fish-out-of-water idiot, I'm going to kick down my TV. I can't stand him. I know it's such a minority opinion, but I just think he sucks so bad. There's not like like oh. about well you want to get you want to get into minority opinions I I kind of involved Ziggler I'll give you one <laughs> the uh, the intercontinental title ladder match title ladder match at WrestleMania uh, if you put ladder matches on a scale uh, you know um, this would easily be in the bottom half for me this was a right. who gives a shit match for me. And I was expecting, well, maybe it's my expectation. I was expecting the show. So maybe it's my, my mistake for the expectations, and that's why I, I read it yeah. so low. But we've seen yeah. these multi-level uh, ladder matches before with Money in the Bank and all this. And this match uh, was just as forgettable as all those. Um, and the, recently, particularly, the last ladder match with Ambrose and Rollins where they were the focal point and this ladder match with Brian and uh, Ziggler were particularly lazy in their booking. Um, and the entire thing, I mean, there was the, the, the Ambrose spot. Was great. I'm not going to you know, say anything about that. That was terrible. Obviously the that was good. Bomb, right? Everything else was, there was, there was no story leading up to it. There was nothing about the match that was interesting. The finish of it was terrible. And um, the, I, I believe Meltzer gave it uh, four and a half stars. So I I just don't get it. I don't understand why anyone would be interested in that match. But um, it just goes to show what the WWE gives you these days and how how much somebody will mark out for it. Was it really rated that high? I didn't see anything really special about that. I'm I, think, I think I saw I him give it four and a half stars. 
It was like the I highest rate of that that and the the Rollins the Rollins cash in short on. Yeah. I mean I agree. I thought that for ladder matches was definitely nothing to write home about. Um yeah, but uh the yeah, I mean looking forward to that extreme rules but I, I don't want to see I God, I can't fit Ziggler and Daniel Bryan, to me they're sort of like kale, J B. Like <laughs> kale's the new vegetable. Everyone says they like kale. Everyone, you know, they're 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 quick to talk about how much you know kale is good for you, and how kale is you know tastes good in different ingredients, and how like you know different dishes, and how versatile it is, and they, you know if other people are around, they're like order kale like in their salad or something like that. People so people will eat kale, you know they'll they'll talk about how much they like kale, but nobody really likes kale. You know, nobody's going to eat kale on a day afternoon in their, you know, their apartment alone, like, just trying to relax. Like, like nobody likes kale. I feel like in the same way with Ziggler and Daniel Bryan, these fucking annoying, stupid, worst horse <laughs> type characters. Like, just to, nobody really likes them. And I really mean that about that. I know the yes movement. It was just ironic for the sake of being ironic. Like, oh, the yes movement. Like, just hipster garbage. I can't stand it. So I don't want to see them in any sort of triple threat at Extreme Rules. I don't want to see John Cena and Rusev rematch. Like, God, that's, I really don't want to see. Um, I guess I want to see Orton and Rollins together, right? Like, I mean, it looks like they're going to have that match, no, for the title? I I hope they're going to do that. That's the only thing I could possibly care about that you just mentioned. Um, I, I don't think Brock yeah. Lesnar's at this extreme rules. I don't think he is. No. No way. He's done, no, yeah. he's done until SummerSlam, I would guess. No. You think that long? I think it'll be gone that long. I mean, maybe he'll show up with Raw or something before that, but I don't think you're going to yeah. see him for a long time. Yeah. He's still got the um, same amount what? of dates. Yes, in Menadates, you're right. But I just look ahead. I know WrestleMania just ended, and it's not like I'm being like, okay, give me more. But I just look ahead to this Extreme Rules pay-per-view, and it's sort of like, what the hell are they doing? And they still have to worry about subscribers for the network if it's something and keeping the the show consistent. It really didn't. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I guess we'll find out, though. But, uh, I think the best thing that they could do is, uh, yeah, r- run Rollins and Orton out there again. But well, the only thing about that, but I like Orton a lot. I just, yeah, they they do a build up, and then I don't know how much that's really going to do anything for anybody. Um, yeah. But uh, I I would be interesting in seeing them have another match. I thought the match at WrestleMania was great. So. Yeah. Sure, my, my point around this, my point around this is what does Reigns do at Extreme Rules? Like, the point of this conversation, I'm just trying to, like, plan out the trajectory, like, not even long-term, but short-term for just, like, some of these stars. Like, where does that leave? He really doesn't have a position anymore. It's weird. 
Yeah, well, that was the biggest problem with him not winning the match is that he had nowhere else to go after that. I mean, they built him up to to beat Lesnar and and then be the champ and then, you know, be one of those champs that's being built up as a champ. Um, And now they're not even going to have that to to put underneath him. So you're going to have, you know, I don't know. I mean, they tried to make him the biggest star on that Raw, which – was idiotic. Um, knowing that crowd, it's fine next week, wherever they, you know, in Omaha, that'll get over. Great. But uh, he's, I think what they're just missing is that he's not going to be Cena. He just doesn't act like him. He's not going to be him. They should just get over it and just make him into something different. But Yeah, holy, I just don't know where they're going to go with him at all, like, after this. Like, it's just it's a lot of questions, like, a lot of questions. And I'm looking forward to watching it develop, but it'll just be weird. Or, like, like, like I'm guessing they just should have turned Reigns heel, right? Like, there's a, there's a lot more interesting matchups if he's heel, because then you have Reigns Cena, you have Reigns Bryan, you have Reigns, you know, if he's heel, there's a lot of good matches, I think, but as face, there's just sort of nothing less to do but rehash the same. And then, well, like, with... They screw up also in these three-hour Raws and they, they throw, and these throwaway main events they do on the three-hour Raws is, like, they've already, like, they've given Reigns-Rollins out there a couple of times. Like, they've thrown that away. So... Yeah, I mean, we've even seen Reigns-Brian. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, They, like, they throw that yeah. away all the time. Yeah. You going forward, it's always that going forward after WrestleMania, there's none of the Undertakers or the Lesnar's around, and then what do you do after that? And a lot of times what they do is yeah. the rematch. They do a rematch for Extreme Rules, and then they kind of figure out a plot till SummerSlam. And um, <laughs> We're going to be dealing with a lot of the authority for a while. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. And, uh, Have you... But at least, Have at you least heard anything about Bray? Kind of, kind of, well, that'll direct the show for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard anything about Bray? I heard that he was injured going into that match. Yeah, that's what I heard, too. But maybe but he's going to be out for uh, no, I think after well. that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know either. I mean, maybe he's going to be out for a while as well, you know? No, that would... That would uh... Open up a lot of doors for lower guys. The uh, what did you think about um, the NXT de- debuts on Raw? Oh, um, well, Lucha Dragons are. It was an interesting call up, you know, and it was probably one of the most obvious ones that nobody saw, just because Sin Cara has already been, or who's Hunico now, uh, has already been on the roster before. So it just kind of makes sense, and everybody knows Callisto can go. Uh, so I, I, I thought that was a pretty obvious call up, um, and I think they're a team with just under the mask. There's only so much you can do with them as a luchador, and this being America, but there's a, a, but they have a lot of charisma as a tag team. So I, I, I thought that was a good call up and a good showcase during the match. Um, what did you think about the? the the Lucha Dragons. And this this is a team that, like, Shane, myself, in general, would typically hate. Like, just the 
<laughs> generic tag team, like, you know, just like, but I actually don't mind them because I think they're, they're so good in the ring and they do have their own charisma about them. So I don't, I don't really mind this team uh, so much at all. I don't mind them. Be, I, I, there's a serious ceiling for them. And the ceiling is, yeah. you know, maybe like a I tag think team title reign. Seen with them. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. I, I mean, I, I've the, seen the ceiling already. It was, in NXT, I saw the ceiling with them. They were, they yeah. were pretty. They they had that hot chant going for a little bit, the lucha, lucha, lucha thing. And then they, uh, yeah. um, they won the tag titles, and then they lost them pretty quickly. And then they were doing the lucha thing, and then even the full sale people weren't that into it. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I I've seen this fizzle out before. I wouldn't be surprised if fizzle out fizzles out again. Uh, but I do think but this is I'll tell also you one thing, those NXT debuts. Callisto stole the show in that match. I mean, well, maybe the whole show in that match. I I never seen him be that good in NXT. He was that interesting yeah. to me <laughs> and that dynamic and. Um, uh, you know, obviously got himself over. It was like one of those instances where probably someone told him, like, you're going to get your shot here and you got to make it happen. And he made it happen. I thought. So, um, right. and I think he's the guy going forward that's going to be, you know, Sin Cara is going to be Sin Cara for however long he's still with the company. But I think Holisto is going to be their attempt to remake Rey Mysterio Jr. Um, so, Ray was a weird, like, yeah, Ray was sort of like, to me, like, he wasn't really a luchador in the sense, like, you could see his face, like, you could kind of make up, like, he exposed his chin and his eyes, he wore those contacts, like, he had a personality, like, in spite of the mask, he wasn't a real luchador to me, does that make sense, like, like, well, does any of the fact that did have his face exposed for a, a time. Yeah, exactly. Or... And then WCW, who what ruins every gimmick. This is the <laughs> this that was the organization that turned Jim Dug Jim Hacksaw Jim Duggan into like a communist or something, or like they just like a turncoat <laughs> for America. Like they just ruined everything. So they actually had him, yeah, without his mask for a while. So that probably has something to do with it too. But he wasn't like a true like a luchador is just never gonna make it. And as we saw with the real Sin Cara, you know, um, like in the WWE, I, I don't think. But uh, like we also gotta know that this isn't this Sin Cara and Callisto. This is if there ever isn't a a tag team for us, like males, like you and me. This is. This is it. Like this, um, this is for kids. Like and kids, like yeah. love that mass shit, and they yeah, they buy the, they love the Ashton figures and all that. Like like, like Sin Cara is like a like he actually has like prominent roles. Sin Cara in general in those cartoons, like the Scooby Doo and the Flintstones and stuff. Like kids love Sin Cara, so it's like a um, you know, it's for the kids too. Like this sort of gimmick. But it's fine that they're there. But but as you said, perfect. We already saw the ceiling. Like, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't believe how over they were, though. I still I was like shocked how over they were. I mean, we've seen a lot of NXT guys come up, and no one knows who they are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But that was the smarky crowd. Remember, like, very, very smart, very smart. Yeah. 
And what about what you think about Neville? Well, uh, I thought he was good. I mean, I, I, it's funny. All these NXT guys that actually make the move up, I'm not. They're not the guys I'm a huge fan of in NXT usually. But uh, yeah. uh, Neville's, I enjoyed him in NXT. I don't think he's a big star over a long period of time. You know, it kind of reminds me no. of Evan Bourne or something like that. But um, if no, Evan Bourne had much more like charisma. Yeah, much more. He's way way yeah. more handsome. <laughs> Yeah, way more handsome. But Adrian Neville's the type of guy they should put in a mask. He should be like a luchador type character. I think that's his only shot. You're right. Well, like the guy's this, so yeah. weird looking. He looks like they should bill him as like Ratman or something. I'm not even joking. Like put him in a rat suit or something. <laughs> and like 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 they got to do something. He's very unsightly. He's like an eyesore. Like an Arby's on the side of the road or something. Like you can't even look <laughs> at him. Am I being too harsh? Like I think he's like really no, weird no, looking. He's, he's an awful looking man. I, I would agree with that. <laughs> so why is he on like TV like this? That's what I don't get. I you know I guess people you, you could get by the face with all the high flying stuff and and all that, but um, they tried that before so many times. They know that fails. Like right. Well, no, it's kind of like I, I've also it. seen. Yeah, yeah. I've had. I've, it's 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 so unfair to even ask me sometimes because I'm such an NXT mark. Like I I have yeah. enjoyed a lot of his matches in NXT, and it's. I, I don't want to kill him, but yeah, I know what you're saying. I obviously know what you're saying in this space. Yeah, not 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 great. Um, what are you going to do in WWE? Tell me what. <laughs> Tell me what his story is. Though. What's his storyline in WWE? What's he going to do? Jeez, I don't know. I mean, that's always the thing with these guys. Yeah. How they, how do you get these guys over? I mean, a lot of the time, they just get themselves over. I, I think he's going to have a... I, I can imagine him, the way they show that red arrow move, you know, in slow motion, I think a lot of people can get that and get behind it and enjoy it. Um, like kind of like they did in NXT. I think a lot of people in NXT, smarky people, enjoyed it. I think a, a, a regular audience would enjoy it too. So, yeah. But then, yeah. Where where does a character go? Where does like a feud go? I have a feeling it's gonna have probably a pretty serious problem within you know six months. He's gonna be yeah there doing the high-flying stuff, and then it's going to end up being on Superstars or whatever, you know, one of those shows. Yeah. It won't yeah. be much much, is, much more than that. I mean, he's not going to be like... Which I'm curious know. to think, like, what they think of him as. Like, I'm really curious to see, like, what they think of him as, like, how far they think he's going to go, or maybe they think of him in kind of like the same vein as the Lucha Dragon. Like, they're going to be serviceable, for like shows like Superstars and Main Event and all that stuff, like, but well, I mean, they don't also see him can, as like, you know, yeah, they'll probably think that for now, and then like, oh, can we get can they get themselves over in some other way, and that they'll they'll leave it up to them. I think is what's going to happen. Like Neville is going to be as good as the time they give him 
he could he could be a very good you know he could be a very good twenty minute match if if you let him against somebody yeah you know even like a Cena he could he could have a good match against Cena but yeah and he could oh. there there is actually a vacuum that he could fill which is they don't have really a great high flyer in the singles right now right and maybe he could do that maybe like an RVD type or something like that but um. Even those those roles are limited, so it's like really that's going to be like your goal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could do that. I see Finn Balor sort of fitting into that role much easier. Obviously, well, Finn Balor kind of fitting into any role, but I I just see him as being like that RVD sort of successor. That's giving him a lot of credit because you know I don't think there's another RVD out there ever, just what he could do in the ring, like, mixing those, like, uh, just the flexibility and the agility and the power, but we'll see, you know? Um, you're saying that about Balor, to say about Balor. One thing I also want to say about the match, though, is Cesaro, not, not to, you know, destroy everyone's mindset. I'm, in other words, I'm stating it very obviously. Cesaro works so well with these, like, high flyers, like, with the luchadors, with the lucha dragons and anything. I want to see, like, a handicap match between, like, the lucha dragons and Cesaro. I could possibly watch that all day. Like, he works so good. He works good with anybody. But those guys especially, as sort of, like, the foil to their you know, to their crazy big moves. It's like the strength foil to their crazy big moves. But then when he has to sell their big moves too, he just works so awesome with that. So from like a wrestling perspective, as opposed to sport and entertainment, I'm always happy when he's in the ring with them. Did you notice any of that? Like, Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I appreciate Cesar quite a bit, like any other uh, yeah. Mark on the internet. Um, yeah. But... Yeah. Uh, that's, it's funny because it's, you know, it's like that, um, that old bit of how many, you know, five-year-olds can you beat up? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I thought those were, yeah, I mean, just, uh, like you said, not the people I want to see called up. And it's interesting just thinking from their perspective, like what their mindset is on to what to do with those guys they call up, like what's the necessity of calling them up and why wouldn't they? Uh, yeah, just sort of another angle, like an interesting thing to think about. Uh, yeah, JB, we're almost r- running out of time here. Was there anything else uh, you wanted to talk about? Um, I don't know. Uh, NXT was last night. Do you want to go over that? or? I didn't see it. So it's sort of like avoiding that topic a little bit. But was was there anything notable on the show that you wanted to bring up? Well, no, no, I'm not no, going to be able to watch it in the shitty uh, uh, internet connection <laughs> that I have right now, which is really upsetting. I'd actually watch it right after that. But uh, was there anything – you said no, but was there was nothing good on the show. Was Enzo there? That I guess that's what I'm asking. Right, yeah, of course. That's what everyone – yeah. Um, no, no Enzo. Uh, the uh, next week's show is interesting in that it's um, 
it's a WrestleMania show, basically. So it's not the not the San Jose show that everyone would want to see, but the uh, the they had like a show at Access that you know the, the Atami won, and then ended up being in the Battle Royal. So oh, they're gonna okay. wait. So they're gonna kind of recap that and his experience at WrestleMania. So. Well, that sounds weird. So it's not the it's not the house show they did. No, it's not going to be like a full sale taping. It's, it's I think it's mostly oh, okay. things that happened around WrestleMania. So it'll be uh, some like they had shows at the Access, whatever that is, the Fan Fest thing. Um, yeah, and they're going to show some of that, and then they're going to show a lot of the WrestleMania stuff especially uh, Tommy uh, being eliminated by the big show, as everyone else was. Right, <laughs> right, right. So they're not going to, uh, yeah. so they're not going to show that, like, house show that got all the acclaim from San Jose at all? No, there's no, I don't think that was taped. I mean, the only thing, you know, that was taped. Oh, wow. Was I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently it should have been taped. Apparently it's like the greatest wrestling show in the history of, of the universe. So, <laughs> Really? Is the internet saying that? I wouldn't have noticed. That you, yeah, you know, there, the were, there, there were quite a fan of the NXT San uh, Jose show. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> they were fans. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Shocking. Shocking. Uh, okay, JB. I guess we'll wrap it up here at the Barbershop Window Podcast. Uh, looks like in spite of our complete lack of uh, uh, advertising and going at the show, literally five minutes, deciding to do the show five minutes before we actually did it, we had five live listeners. So thank you out there, live listeners. Wow. Yes. Yes. So thank you out there, live listeners. I suppose somebody tried to call in and I uh, couldn't put you on. But I'll be curious to see how many downloads we have too. Uh maybe Jim and I will convene sometime very soon. Hopefully won't have to wait till next week to do another cast. Maybe something interesting will happen. Uh probably not. But we'll see. And uh look forward to talking about next week's WW experience. Maybe we can sneak some TNA in there. Um, and we'll come back and do more podcasts. Jim, we have under 60 seconds. Uh, oh, there, is there time for TNA talk? No, there won't be any TNA talk this week as it was overshadowed by the WrestleMania festivities. But do not sleep on the TNA talk because there will sure be a healthy dose, a healthy segment in next week's uh, Barbershop Window podcast. All right. Well, I'm very excited about that, and I'm very excited about uh, this podcast. So, JB, it was a pleasure connecting with you, and thank you out there too, listening audience. And we have ten seconds, so I'll be signing off. Uh, good night, people. Oh, follow me at ShaneWinter14 dot uh, com. Email us barbershopwindowpodcast at gmail dot com. JB, put your Twitter quick. At justjimcar.com. Okay, see you, everyone. Bye. Yeah.